0: Before I the homily today, just a brief word on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, especially at this time. You may have noticed at the beginning of the Mass that when we came in, uh, the normal large crucifix that's typically on this main altar is not there. It's actually back in the sacristy right now. And we went up to the high altar right there in front of the tabernacle, and reverenced the altar right there in front of the tabernacle. And for the last several days, actually beginning on the 25th, which was this past Wednesday, the Solemnity of the Annunciation, we've been offering the Mass uh, in the same direction, so to speak, ad orientum, at the high altar. And I'll tell you that began because I've been praying, obviously the Mass here for the last basically two weeks, Uh, with no one in the pews. Thank goodness I can kind of see Michael Becker's head popping out as he films right now. Are we okay on sound? Fantastic. And, you know, Flora and Johnny Brinsfield are up there. It's, It's wonderful. I have some people to look at. But, you know, it's a big, empty church right now. It's a strange feeling. And at a time like this, too, in which my brother priests, especially my brother pastors, bishops, cardinals, the Holy Father throughout the world... We're called to lead through a time like this and to stay focused on what? Ultimately, to stay focused on Jesus Christ. And as I've been celebrating the Mass and as I'm there, obviously, I'm, I often look at the crucifix, but I can see beyond it. And normally, you know, it's a church full of people. And I love the people of God that I'm here to serve. I mean, I'm always thinking back on our Lord's interaction with Peter after the resurrection. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. The two are utterly connected. Well, as the sheep that I am to feed are not right here in the church, but are present virtually, but nevertheless, at a time like this, I think it's so important for me, (laughs) in particular as the pastor, to keep my eyes fixed on Christ, And as you know, in the the prayers for the Mass are addressed to the Father. There's something about that particular orientation of focusing in the same way as everyone else that helps me to pray. And I'll tell you too, and I recommend this this thought to all heads of household, to all of us who are in this uh, boat together, so to speak. There's this feeling so often, I think, of like the heaviness of the world is on your shoulders, right? Like you've got to figure out What do we do next in this time of pandemic? Well, we've never been through this before. I mean, there's really nothing like this in world history like within the last 100 years. You can go back to the Spanish flu epidemic back in 1918, but that's out of our lifetime. I know Charlotte Taylor right down there at Trinity Oaks is about 101, so I'm guessing she doesn't really remember much about the Spanish flu. You know, so I mean, this is outside of our experience, right? And so what do we need to do We need to stay focused on Jesus Christ. And literally that orientation has helped me to do that and has helped in a huge way to remove some of my own anxiety, to stay focused on him and also notice as you view the Mass from home, as you pray along from home, that at those times when I'm specifically addressing the people, when I'm specifically addressing you, I turn around and look right at you. At the other times that I'm offering the Mass, I turn around and I'm offering the sacrifice of the Mass to the Father. It's like having, you know, the wind at my back, in the sails, moving us all along. So, I know this is different, but I will just ask you to go along with me at this time, knowing that ultimately my job as pastor is to stay focused on Christ, to continue to pray, to focus on Him who does come to us, who gives us the answers, And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing in that particular way. So I know it's a little bit different, but please join me in prayer there. When it comes to fasting, you know, I know right now we're away from the norm, right? That we're kind of having to fast, for example, in the fact that there aren't people here right now. We're having to fast from our normal prayer routine. We're trying to do everything that we can here at Sacred Heart to keep open the access to the sacraments, to our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, Governor Cooper has just instituted a stay-at-home order, which is going to begin tomorrow, Monday at 5 p.m. So we're going to have to reduce our amount of adoration. We're still kind of looking at some adoration times. The church will remain unlocked during the day for you to come in and pray. But I also want to let you know that confessions will continue immediately following the 9 a.m. Mass every day. And I'm also looking to set up my desk kind of like inside the cafeteria where I'm sitting for confessions. And I want to figure out like a Krispy Kreme, you know, they're hot fresh donuts right now, sort of a sign to let you know when I'm there. So confessions are just available. So you can come in anytime. So now when you think donuts, think confession. It's a good uh, analogy. I don't know why. But, you know, so hopefully we can get you in for that. But just know that as we have to fast from the norm, ask our Lord for the grace to grow in that hunger. You know, just like in the past when you've given up things for Lent, as you're giving up things for Lent right now, you're excited to go back to them at the end, hopefully with a renewed appreciation. Hopefully the bad falls away. One year I gave up soda. I really don't drink soda anymore. I mean, I just didn't want it again. One year I gave up listening to all music. Now I relish music evermore. It's like the desire for it is purified, and in the interest of keeping things pure, We're going to strive to offer confessions as much as possible. Just like with the coming into the church, the CDC guidelines apply, use common sense, we're doing social distancing, but the sacraments continue to be offered. And finally, in in, uh, light of almsgiving, and I have to thank my finance council for this, uh, don't forget, (laughs) we need your help. Uh, and, and I'll say, too, I'm sure that there are some people I've heard, some of my friends and family in different parts of the country watching this Mass. Uh, don't forget your home parish. You know, All of us you know, rely on the weekly collection. As you can see, probably from the camera, there's nobody here right now. So we need your help You know, to continue giving as you can. I know times are tough. If you're not able to do what you've always done, fine. Don't worry about it. But I will say, you know, we are called to be generous. We are called to give of ourselves. And God can't be outdone in generosity. I'm not saying, you know, put your family completely in destitution. No, it's not bad. But at the same time, don't forget, we're all in this together. This is your home parish. We have to work together to keep the lights on. And if you are tuning in from another parish, we wouldn't mind a donation from you either. But don't forget your home parish. And finance council, you'll notice this did not come at the end of the whole homily because I'll begin the homily now. They weren't real happy that I put that at the end of the letter that I sent out. I don't like asking you for money, but there you go. It's almsgiving. It's that time of year. You have it. But as we look at this gospel for today, this is obviously the beginning of the homily. As we look at the gospel for today, this beautiful gospel, I just want to emphasize three things that I think in this time of pandemic that we can learn so well, that can help us in a big way. The first is this, God's ways are not our ways. The second is that our Lord is always calling us deeper and deeper into relationship with Him. That He's not content to just leave us where we are. He always wants us to be growing in love with Him. And finally, the third thing I really want to draw from this Gospel that I've, I've seen and, and has meant so much uh, reflecting on this beautiful Gospel in this particular time is that the Incarnation has really happened. That Jesus Christ really and truly is in our midst. He really and truly is fully human and fully divine. The first thing. God's ways are not our ways. Why do I say that? Well, we see in the Gospel that you know, Jesus we hear that he loves Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. We know that that is the case, right? And yet, when they send word to Jesus that, he, that Lazarus, is the one who he loves, is sick, I'm just looking here for the line in the Gospel in particular, it's an interesting way in which our Lord responds, isn't it? You know, they send word, you know, the one that you love is ill. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. God's ways are not our ways. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? So he finds out that Lazarus is ill, so he remains for two days in the place where he is. Now when most of us, myself included, hear about a dire situation, our tendency is to act, right? We want to get there quick. We want to do what we can do. God's ways are not our ways. He stays in place For two days before coming. That's an interesting thing. Now, looking at the whole gospel from today, we know the way that it's going to end. We know what's going to happen. But, when you look at it from within the story itself, from the perspective of Martha and Mary, you know, you can't really blame them for saying things like, Lord, if you would have been here, you could have saved him. Now, think about that in relation to right now. I mean, there's so many questions, so many things that are just unusual in this time. I mean, we can all sort of feel like we're, you know, sort of like lost at sea. Everything is so strange and different. I mean, even though you have to stay at home, it's almost as though home is not the normal home that it normally is because it's almost like we're trapped there, right? I mean, it's just such a weird time. And as we cry out to our Lord, you know, Lord, save us. Have mercy on us. Why hasn't he already acted? Why isn't he doing this or that? You know, what, what is going on here? God's ways are not our ways. I don't know exactly what he's doing. I don't know exactly what he's already done. I don't know exactly what he's going to do. But what I do know is that I am not in charge. That ultimately he knows the big picture. He knows what he's going to do. And what we have to do is trust that his ways are not our ways. And that he is God. That he loves us, loves us even more than we love one another. And then focusing on that love, we look to the second point. He's always calling us deeper and deeper into that love. Look at his encounter with Martha, right? He comes to her. She says, you know, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother could have been saved. And then, you know, Jesus is going back and forth with her, says that he will rise, and she says, I know. I know he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day, right? She's repeating to him what she has learned. That this is, you know, the faith that she's come to accept, Right? But he doesn't just want her to repeat what she's learned. He doesn't want her to just repeat the tenets of the faith. Don't get me wrong. The tenets of the faith are so important. We need to constantly be learning about our faith. Study the catechism at this time. Read good books. I recommend, you know, Jesus of Nazareth by Pope Benedict. I rec- and especially, you know, it's three parts. The middle one is all about, the, uh, about Holy Week and about Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection take the opportunity, learn about the faith. But it doesn't just end at the learning. It doesn't just end at the fact that you can repeat to me paragraph 2479 of the Catechism, right? It ends in a relationship with our Lord, of everything we've learned about him, as important as that is, but going from that to Martha's eventual testimony of faith in him, her embrace of him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. We're called to the same thing at this time. All of a sudden, things are very different. We don't get to just sort of like pick up our feet and move along with the lazy river. We don't get to just kind of go along with the routine. All of a sudden, all that we've been studying about our faith all through our lives, we have to put it into a particular place of embracing of our Lord. Of saying, Lord, I don't know what's coming, but I trust in you. Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who is coming into the world. And he is in the world. And that's the third point I want to focus on. That he really and truly is fully human and fully divine. And why do I say that in this particular Gospel? Well, it comes specifically from the shortest verse in all of sacred scripture, right? It's the one that right now is on our sign and its brevity makes it very stark. If you see the sign, we'll have to take a picture and post it for those of you who are not close, but it says, John 11.35, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in all of sacred scripture, that our Lord wept. Now what leads up to that weeping? He asks them, the people, who are all sad and despairing and crying and, you know, all of this sadness in the face of death, right? He's with them in the midst of that and says to them, Where have you laid him? And they say to him, Sir, come and see. If you go back to the beginning of John's Gospel, when our Lord starts to call the apostles, they say to him, Andrew and and one of the others, they say to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? And he says to them, come and see. What is our Lord doing with the apostles? He's drawing them into the inner life of the Holy Trinity. Drawing them into the love that he shares with the Heavenly Father. That love that is the Holy Spirit that pours out upon us. The mystery of love. You know, beyond all ages, outside of time. He's drawing them into that and says to them, come and see. He wants them to move into this place of perfect peace and love and just eternal life. He says to them, come and see, to see the end goal of that for which we were created. He's inviting us into that. Now, compare that to the line used once again. In the face of death, in the face of the consequence of sin, of all of these things we've chased after since our first parents fell, all of this stuff and what it leads to, Show me where you've laid him. And they say to him, Come and see. Come and see the end result of our fallenness, of our loneliness, of our isolation. And Jesus doesn't just look on from a distance, right? I still hate that song by Bette Midler. God is watching from a distance. Baloney, right? God is in the midst of all of this with us to the point that he's willing to do what? To come and see. And those are not just like the eyes of a scientist, objective and outside. They are eyes that weep. That weep for love of us. That enter into the sadness that is our fallen state. And that love us so much that they won't just leave us there, right? That Jesus loves us so much that in less than two weeks, we will celebrate the full result of his love, his death on the cross that we will celebrate on Good Friday. We know that He has. He's come and He's seen and He does something about it. He lays down His life for us. And we will regather. And even if we have to do it partially, virtually, it doesn't matter. Our Lord stays in the midst of all of this with us. He's come, He's seen, and He does something about it. He lays down His life for us. Is that the way I would have done it? God's ways are not my ways. It really doesn't matter the way that I would have decided to work all this out or any of us up here or any of you. Ultimately, what matters is that he has entered into all of this with us, loves us so much that he's willing to enter into it to come and see what is going on, to come and see our sadness, our despair, our isolation, our loneliness, and he will not leave us alone. And so at this time, this time of uncertainty, this time of questioning, this time of difficulty, we say to him like Martha, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Our faith is being challenged. We know that there are challenges all around us. But just like there were challenges for Martha and Mary and Lazarus, we know that we're not left alone. We know that our Lord has entered into all of this with us. He's wept at our fallen state and He has lifted us out of it. My brothers and sisters in Christ, during this time, ask for the grace not to just merely stay where you are in your faith, not to merely leave it at an intellectual level, as important as that is, but rather embrace our Lord. Trust in the fact that he is with us, that he loves us, and that he will lead us. As long as we too are willing to come and see, he will lead us to everlasting life. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Creo que hay varias lecciones claves para nosotros este domingo, en este momento momento de pandemia. En primer lugar, los caminos de Dios no son nuestros caminos. Segundo, Constantemente nos llama más y más a nuestra fe y a nuestro amor por Él. Y finalmente, Él realmente se convirtió en un un de nosotros, completamente humano y también completamente divino. ¿Por qué digo que sus caminos no son nuestros caminos? Piensen en esta línea. Ahora Jesús amaba a Marta, a su hermana y a Lázaro. Entonces, cuando escuchó que estaba enfermo, permaneció dos días en el lugar donde estaba. Esos dos días adicionales, en el lugar donde estaba, es una forma interesante de expresar su amor por Marta, María y su hermano Lázaro. Estoy seguro, como yo, y como la mayoría de nosotros, al escuchar sobre una situación grave, tendemos a movernos rápidamente. Jesús no hace esto. Sus caminos no son nuestros caminos. Al poder escuchar todo el Evangelio, está claro que Jesús ama a esta familia de Betanía, que tiene en mente sus mejores intereses, pero en medio de la historia, a medida que se des- desarro- desarrolla, no pueden cu- culpar a las hermanas y al pueblo por los comentarios de si hubieras estado aquí. Tal vez esto es como hoy. ¿Por qué estamos en este desastre pandémico? ¿Por qué hay tanta gente enferma? ¿Por qué nuestro buen y amable Señor no actúa más rápido? De nuevo, solo puedo repetir, sus caminos no son los nuestros. No sé qué está haciendo que ya ha hecho o qué va a hacer, pero confió en él y sé que no estoy a cargo. Sus caminos no son nuestros caminos. El segundo pensamiento: Jesús nos llama constanta- constantemente a profundizar nuestra fe. Miren la forma en que desafía a Marta al irse más allá de la simple admisión de saber que su hermano será elevado el último día para hacer una declaración de fe de que nuestro Señor es la resurrección y la vida. ¿Podría estar pidiéndote lo mismo ahora? En este momento en que todo está desafiado y bajo presión, ¿podría nuestro Señor pedirles que profundice en su fe? Podría pedirles que pasen de las declaraciones del conocimiento de nuestra fe, que son absolutamente esenciales para ustedes, a una aceptación personal, admisión y abrazo de su amor personal por ustedes. Puedes decir con Marta, Sí, Señor, he llegado a creer que ustedes son el Cristo, el Hijo de Dios, el que viene al mundo. Finalmente, en un momento en que tenemos miedo y muchos de nosotros nos sentimos solos y aislados, hoy se nos muestra cuán profunda es realmente la presencia de nuestro Señor en medio de nosotros. Mira lo que pasa cuando pregunta, ¿dónde lo has puesto? Ellos responden, Señor, ven a ver. Tengo que pensar que la mente de nuestro Señor... Volvió a cuando llamaba a sus primeros apóstoles y le dijeron, Rabbi, ¿qué significa maestro? ¿Dónde te quedarás? a Jesús respondió, Ven y ver. Los estaba llamando a su propio amor y relación con su Padre, a la paz, el amor, la satisfacción, la felicidad, con esa simple invitación, Ven y ver. Ahora en medio de esta multitud, triste, des- desesperado, ante la realidad de la muerte, nuestro Señor pregunta dónde ha sido puesto su amigo. Y responden con la misma invitación que dio a esos primeros apóstoles, ven a ver. Y Jesús sí si viene y ve, y con esos mismos ojos llora. ¿Por qué llora? Porque qué esto no es un espectáculo, una mera visión, un simple truco de mágica? Él está presente, y cuando entra de todo corazón en nuestro desorden caído, y ve dónde estamos, perseguimos el pecado y caemos en las profundidades de la muerte, y ora. Él no es distante. Él no es alguien que salva por poder y envía a otros a hacer su obra. No, Él entra en nuestro mundo caído y llora entre nosotros en este valle de lágrimas. Esas lágrimas expresan amor. Ese amor es profundo y mostrará su total devoción a cada uno de nosotros al morir por ustedes y por mí en la cruz ya que celebraremos en menos de dos semanas el viernes, viernes santo. ¿Es así como lo habría hecho? Bueno, los caminos de Dios no son los mis, m- míos. No cuestionaré su amor, incluso cuando no lo entiendo. Lo que haré, ahora y por la gracia de Dios, siempre, es pedir que me guíen más y más profundamente, en mi fe en Aquel que está presente, que nos ama a cada uno de nosotros, y pedirle que digamos como Marta en el rostro de la tristeza y lo desconocido, Sí, Señor, he llegado a creer que Tú eres el Cristo, el Hijo de Dios, el único que viene al mundo. Alabar a Cristo sea Jesús.